Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Utah's own Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs and Pastor Keith Radke of River Community Church in West Jordan. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve and Pastor Keith for today's conversation. And welcome back to Shouts of Grace Radio. Uh, I'm saying welcome back if you've listened to us before. If you haven't, welcome for the first time. I'm Pastor Keith Radke here in studio at Key Radio Studios in Provo, Utah with Pastor Steve Pearson. Pastor Steve, it's good to be together again. Yes, sir. I love it. Yes. Hey, I'm really excited about a trip coming up that we're taking. God has opened some doors for us to go on a short-term mission trip together. And uh, it's going to be exciting, and we will talk to you all more about it uh, on the other side of the trip. Um, but we do want to ask for your prayers, that God will give us open hearts and open eyes to see the opportunities for our churches, Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, River Community Church in West Jordan, Utah, uh, to be able to partner tangibly with ministries and leaders uh, where we're going. So um, we will tell you where we're going after we've gone. And uh, But we do ask for your prayers and your uh, support as we go here in the early part of April. So, uh, Pastor Steve, the last couple of shows we've been talking about in our Bible Difficulties series, the matter of truth. What is truth? How can we know for sure what truth is? And last time, man, I, I have to say, Pastor Steve, I've always respected you for <laughs> your, your, your study of God's Word, but you... I had to go look up terms that <laughs> that uh, that you brought up last time in our conversation on worldview and how basically there's two worldviews, right? And our worldview is how we process our definition of truth and, and then now how we see the world, right? We see the world based on these particular set of truths or guidelines that we've adopted as our own. And you brought up too, there's the naturalistic worldview that sees everything in light of, of a very, uh, here's another big word, anthrocentric, man-centered uh, way, uh, view of life. Um, and then there's the Christian worldview or the theistic worldview that sees uh, truth through God's eyes, that God is the source, he's the author of truth, and he he has defined it, and so that's the theocentric view. So there's the atherocentric view, the theocentric view, especially in, in light of morality. And you broke down the four parts of a worldview. We've got uh, origin, meaning, morality, and destiny, that every worldview basically is addressing those four aspects. So as a Christian, we talked about how this theocentric view, hey, God is the source of truth, defines our worldview about origins, Genesis chapter 1, about meaning from Romans that our purpose here, if we've been made in the image of God, that our purpose is to glorify God, and Jesus Christ is the means by which we do that, that morality is now then defined by God and and by his view of things like the respect for human life that we have, that from conception until death, that that is in his control and his design, not ours. And then destiny, ultimately what happens when we close our eyes on this side of death and open them, where will we be? Where will our consciousness be? And as Christians, we believe that we are, uh, that a home is being prepared for us in heaven, that we are going to go to be in the very presence of God who created us uh, to enjoy him and to glorify him. So 
it, it, it helps um, to be able to, I guess, make this more practical than than just the the exciting, you know, tantalizing philosophical, you know, bird's eye view. You got to have that. I feel like that's so important for us to be able to engage our culture is to be able to come at this and and speak in terms that people understand. Now let's let's break it down. You know, let's let's get into the nuts and bolts of of the implications of a worldview. If I have a Christian worldview, and last time we talked about the implications of a of a naturalistic worldview. If I have this uh, Christian worldview, where I believe that God is the source of truth, that He created me, put me on this world for purpose and meaning. Um, that how I conduct myself, my morals are defined by him and my destiny is determined by him in my relationship with him. How now do we define how origin, the truth about our origin, how is that, how does that affect my life? What does that really mean every day? Right. So, so if God is the source of life, which is Christians, we believe that, and we accept that truth, then Jesus's words in John four twenty three become extremely applicable to our life. But the hour is coming, and now here it is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And so when we believe that, that God is the source of life, we've accepted him, there now becomes this desire that God places in us in order to worship him. And so our origin matters because because if we don't believe that God exists, then we really don't live or exist outside of glorifying ourselves and all of the different ways that we do that through through seeking the praises of men, through seeking the accolades of, of, of men, through accomplishments and different things. But for the Christian, we understand that God is seeking those to worship him in spirit and in truth, and now our lives become centered around that. And mm-hmm. it's interesting, you as a worship leader, Keith, know that, that worship is much more than just music, right? Right. It's, it, right? It's 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 a word we use, um, proskuneus, to, to turn towards and to kiss. It's talking about an intimacy and a relationship that, mm-hmm. that because God is my God, I now turn towards him with my life and, and, I, and, and, and I kiss him. I'm affectionate. I'm intimate in my worship with him, in his communion with me, yes. right? So, so, so when you talk about the origin as being a part of a world view, then, then when I get that, my life becomes about God, not about me. Yes. Yes. And, and no longer do I aimlessly seek to worship something. I now understand that if God created me, then I, and I'm created for him, then now my purpose is defined. I am, I am here to worship him. And that's why he's seeking that because that's what he created us for. Our origin was to relate to him. Our origin was to fellowship with him. That, you know, when you look at Genesis 1, it says Adam walked with God, right? There was a, there was a fellowship, a daily uh, communion with him. And origin determines, you know, okay, God, if God is my creator and he made me to relate to him, that I need to relate to him. And how do I do that? I do that mm. through the person and the reality of Jesus Christ. Um, the gospel is the, that message of salvation, the, the power of God uh, for us to be saved. And when we when we are saved from our sins and saved from the brokenness that goes with that, we are saved back. We are saved into the purpose, right into the meaning uh, for which God created us. And so, if if there is no God, and I don't 
I don't believe that, then I am just going to still worship, right? I'm still going to serve. I'm still going, but it's going to be very much based on on how I feel and what I determine is right and what is best. And and most of the time, it's just worshiping self and mm. calling it something else, right? You know, um, I saw I saw a post the other day, and it said it said love self, love others, have a good time. And I thought, <laughs> wow, that is so humanistic. That is so, you know, devoid of of what God, you know, made us for. Because, you know, Jesus would say, you know, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you are to love your neighbor as yourself, right? I mean, that, when you take God out of it, what else do you do? Well, mm. it's logical. You love yourself, and then you love others, and then you have a good time. And it's <laughs> like, that's, no. that's, that's falls short of, of, of our origin of our, of what God uh, made us for. So, so God made us for this, that we would know his truth, that we would worship him in spirit and in truth. So as we come into purpose, how does the Christian worldview affect our sense of purpose? I mean, we're already kind of talking about its worship, but what does that worship look like? How does that play out in life? Right. So remember, again, Jesus said that um, he said to the Father, sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. And so the idea is that we are being sanctified, set aside, made holy by God's word. Okay, and so when it comes to this idea of meaning, um, I think we mentioned last week in Romans eight one, Romans eight twenty nine. It says, "Those whom God foreknew, He predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ." And so mm-hmm. when we talk about our meaning in life, it is to be conformed into Christ's image. Now, practically. Keith, that looks different for different people, right? I mean, people go through things in life. And I was, I was recently talking to a, to, to a couple of young men that came to my house, and they were talking to me about what, what the meaning of life is, what, that, that the father's meaning of life for his kids is to be happy. And, I, and, and, and the more I thought about that as I was talking to them, I said, look, I, I understand what you're saying, and it, it's, it sounds great and all, but, but that's really not true, and that's not biblical. Happiness is a... Is, is, is an emotion that may ebb and flow. It comes and goes, right? But the reality is God's purpose, meaning, is that we would be conformed into Christ's image. And so practically what that means is that everything that comes into my life is meant to use to shape me, the bad as well as the good, right? And I'm to accept all those things because all things are working together for the right. good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Romans um, chapter 12, when we're talking about What's the meaning of being conformed into the image of Christ? Well, I'm to present my body as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable to God, which is my reasonable act of worship, right? I'm to be transformed, he says, you know, my my, my mind's to be transformed. I'm to be renewed. These are all things that are done as we're conforming, as being conformed into the image of Christ. That's the meaning of the Christian life. Yes, yes. And and it's interesting to me how how we've just muddied that. You know, we've mm-hmm. we've confused that. And it's not it's not that complicated. It really isn't. And and when 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 we get away from, you know, understanding who it is that put us here, who it is that has a purpose for us being here, then we we're just confused. We don't know which end is up and then we make it more complicated and not as simple. And yet here as we unpack it, it really is a simple thing. Hmm. Well, hey, we're going to continue to talk about the implications of worldview on everyday life here on Shouts of Grace Radio. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson and Pastor Keith Radke. At Shouts of Grace Radio, we're thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah on the airwaves with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Key Radio can be found online at keyradio.org, and your support of Key Radio makes programs like Shouts of Grace Radio possible. Now, let's join Pastor Steve and Pastor Keith for the conclusion of today's conversation. All right, so Pastor Steve, talking about worldview, origin and meaning are the first two aspects, uh, the implications on our life when we, as a Christian, right? We, we believe the Bible is truth, that God has given us his word is truth, that the Father is seeking those to worship in spirit and in truth. Right, and what that means for us to be conformed into the image of Christ, that everything that Christ is as a perfect human, um, uh, that, that that is what God intends for us. That's why he sent him, to, to, to stand in our place and to reconcile us to a, to a right relationship with God based on the perfect humanity of Christ. And his complete and perfect righteousness is now imputed to us. It's given to us by faith. We believe we just believe it, and we receive it, and now we can begin to walk in it. We begin to play it out. It begins to play out in our life. And that's where we come to the matter of morality in our worldview. The Christian lives by a particular moral code, you can call it, a particular ethic, right? My faith is determining my practice. If I believe that the Word of God is true when it speaks to every area of life that I encounter, then the decisions I make about what is right and wrong are going to be determined from that. So practically speaking, when it comes to morality, how does that affect my life? How, how does my worldview about morality play out in everyday life? Right. So in Romans chapter 7, Paul finds himself in this really you know, mysterious, uncomfortable position where he is talking about this ongoing struggle in his life. And he's saying... The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I hate are the things that I do. And he recognizes, and then he says there in Romans chapter 7, verse 21, he says that I find then that sin is a law. And the one who wants to do good, evil is present with him. And it talk, he goes on to talk about how it's bringing me into captivity, and into bondage. And then he yells out in frustration at the end there, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death, right? And he's really communicating this idea that I know there's a moral code. I know there's right and wrong. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. But here's the problem. I don't know how to do it. And I find that even when I do do it, it's like a law that sins like a law that just drags down and, right. and kills kills my joy, right? right? And so, so even when I think I'm doing good, sin is there to remind me that I'm not, right. you know, and so he's he's wrestling back and forth with this, and then of course the anthem in Romans eight one um, that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. But in that, uh, um, Keith, what you find is that is that when we have a Christian worldview, we experience that we know that there's a moral a moral code, if you will, that God has given, but we don't know how to attain it. We 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 try, we make effort, and so the Christian worldview says that listen. It's already been attained. The, the, the moral stance, uh, the, that moral righteousness before God has been attained by Christ and is offered by Christ to the sinner. Mm. Now, that's sanctifying because it takes us a while to grab onto that. Right. Right. I mean, we will when you first come to Christ, you are usually 
um, as, as, as probably up on yourself as you'll ever be. <laughs> you really think that I'm going to do this and I'm going to. And then the longer you go, you realize what Paul said, man, I'm the chiefest of sinners here. I, what, what, where I would have an expectation that the longer I walk with Christ, the, the better I would become. Or the easier I'm, it gets. The easier it gets. I'm actually realizing the longer I walk with Christ, the more I need grace. Not that I need it any more on, on year 20 that I did in year one, but I didn't realize in year one right. what I didn't know about myself, that, that I'm not moral. <laughs> it seems to become more minute, too, because like when we first come to Christ, we're dealing with these big glaring issues, right? And then 20 years, 25, 30 years down the road, we're like, we're dealing with a thought. Oh, man, mm. I had this thought. And, yeah. you know, or I had a bad attitude today, you know, things that we realize, boy, if I'm, if I'm being conformed to the image of Christ, this does not reflect that. That's right. You know, Lord, refine that in me. That's right. And here's the thing, Keith, a naturalistic worldview does not have this tug of war in them. Hmm. They, they don't care, right? That script, script, scripture says in Romans chapter six, that when I was dead in uh, outside of Christ, right? When, when, when I wasn't alive Mm -hmm. that I didn't care about the things of righteousness. I didn't care. They didn't matter to me. Right. And so when you, when you're made alive in Christ, now all of a sudden you got this war, the naturalist doesn't have this war. They they, they don't care about moral issues. So when God comes in and he, he, he quickens a person, now I've got this tug of war Mm -hmm. and now I care about what God cares about. I'm just trying to find the path in order to push into what ultimately I'll find out that it's Christ who is perfected, not me. And he gives that to me Mm -hmm. free of charge. And so that is a sanctifying element of of my worldview because it really frees me. Yes, it does. You know, it frees me, not thinking I have to perform for God, but that God's performed for me. And then that that change which comes out of my life comes out freely because of the imprint and the work of the Holy Spirit inside of me. Yeah. And and it helps us when we navigate culture to make decisions based on right and wrong without being self-righteous, smug, hmm. um, judgmental, condemning. You know, Christians should never be marked by being self-righteous and judgmental. Hmm. We should always be, even in our conversations about morality and right or wrong, we should be gracious mm-hmm. and we should be humble because we have been forgiven a great debt that all people owe to, you know, we owe this great sin debt, and Jesus has paid that debt. We have received it freely by his grace simply because we've trusted him, not because we've done anything good or moral to deserve it. We All of the good moral things we could ever do will never outweigh the one thing that mars our record. That's right. right. And we've got a record. Everybody's got a record. That's and right. You may, you may think you may be clean with the law, but you can be clean with man's law and be completely guilty with God's law. That's right. And so Jesus has given us the way to now make moral decisions to reflect the image of Christ that is that is being worked out in us mm. in such a way that the culture should see, as Paul would say in Philippians chapter 4, our reasonableness. That's right? right. There is there is an equity about it. Okay, I understand that I'm not a perfect human being, but when I speak in moral terms to the culture, I'm mm-hmm. speaking with humility and I'm speaking with grace and I'm also speaking with a confidence that God is the one who defines it. That's right. Not me. And and we need to be very careful with something. You mentioned something because just because the world embraces something and legalizes it doesn't mean that that now it's legal for the Christian, right? That's right. The, the, the world embraces in certain states prostitution, but it's very much condemned in, in Scripture. The world embraces in many states now not only the use of medicinal marijuana, but also, you know, that that which is that for, for pleasure and leisure, right? Just because the world embraces something doesn't mean that being sober-minded goes away, and we need to be careful. You know, a boy 
abortion is legal almost in every state or is is legal in every state, though it has limitations in some that are greater than others. The whole point is the world does not dictate the moral conscience of the Christian. God's word does. And so there is still a right and wrong. And in the attempt for us to to not be legalistic, my fear is that the church has swung the pendulum the other way and to to the point where now they don't want to stand for anything that's right Right. and wrong because, well, if we do that, then, then, then we're being legalistic. No, you're not. God's word determines our worldview and our theology, and we need to be able to embrace that and not apologize for it. And just because I stand for something that's morally right doesn't mean that I'm legalistic, right? right. Because right. God says, woe to the one who calls who calls good evil or evil good, right? right? So we need to be careful with that. Right, and, and that's because he sets the standard. That's right. He determines what's good, and he determines what's evil. So it's it's on us as Christians— when we're engaging the culture in relationship to morality, that we're sure of the moral authority that we have because God said it. Yes. Not because it's my opinion or because yes. I'm comfortable or uncomfortable with it, but because God has said it. I think, I think in our day and age, I think abortion is that great issue mm. where we have called good evil and evil good. And the person protesting outside of, of, a, of a clinic with signs, let us, let us adopt your baby, Mm. is being cited with disturbing the peace mm. and going to jail when when the abortion doctors and practitioners you know are ending a human life That's every right. day and and it's you know we want to say this with sensitivity because we know that there's a lot of people who have had to deal with it but the the morality of it is God is the author of life mm. from from the moment of conception until we take our last breath he is ultimately in control of life and only he can determine the terms by which a life is taken. That's there right. Are very, even in Scripture, there are very limited causes for capital punishment. Mm, that's and, right. And, and, you know, there is a moral justification for capital punishment, but it is extremely limited, and it is God who defines it. That's right, Keith. The church needs moral conviction. Yes. They need moral conviction. They need to hold on to it. They need to assume the posture of Jeremiah in Jeremiah 118 when God said, I've made you a defense city, brazen walls. You're going to stand against all the kings of the land. They're going to fight, but they're not going to prevail. Don't be dismayed by them. We need moral conviction. If we lose moral conviction, we're lost our witness. We're not a light on set up on a, on a hill. We're being put under a bushel. That's great. I, I love that verse from Jeremiah chapter 1, and I think it's important for us to realize that God has given us his truth so we can have a worldview that will stand the test of time, mm. a torch that we can pass from one generation to the next, that I can teach my children and they can teach their children, and we can impart to one another as a culture, and we can actually succeed with the blessing of God rather than experience destruction because of our our mm. our rejection of the truth. And, and again, that was, you know, when Jesus was talking in John chapter 3, it's like, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men have chosen darkness, they have chosen evil, they have chosen those things— um, um, that are that are uh, opposite of who God is mm-hmm. and what He's done. In this last remaining minute, what we want you to hear again, as we said on the previous episode, is that your worldview and the truth that you use to form your worldview will determine your destiny. Mm-hmm. Do you know Jesus? Are you going to heaven when you take your last breath here on earth? Will you be in the presence of the Lord, or will you spend eternity separated from Mm. him, suffering for your sins? It is our hope and Mm. our prayer that you would hear Mm. the shouts of grace coming from Jesus Christ that says, Come unto me, 
all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said that Hmm. his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He would say that the commandments of God are not burdensome and that the way to the Father, the way to this relationship is through Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and is our hope that you know him. So if we can help you with that, visit us at shoutsofgraceradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you. We're praying for you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio. Practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson and Pastor Keith Radke. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's conversation encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At ShoutsOfGraceRadio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve and Pastor Keith. Shouts of Grace Radio is a joint outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah, and River Community Church in West Jordan, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show, and from all of us at Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. 